Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Hello there, DT crew. Good to be back with all of you. Uh, if you're uh, if you're a newsletter subscriber, you know I've had uh, a fair bit going on here the past few weeks, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, at the back end of the episode. Um, for now, we're going to get on with some more narration. We'll be reading chapter forty of Declaimer's Discovery, which which starts uh, part five, which is the final part of the novel. Uh, just a quick recap. Uh, we haven't been with Baz for quite some time now. At this point, you'll recall. Uh, that he was caught by Farston uh, when he broke into the study looking for the Declaimer's transcendence. Somehow, uh, Farston got to uh, Fortune uh, very quickly. Remember, Baz took the Iron Dragon, which is a train, to get to Fortune like a week ahead of uh, Farston and Deliritus. But somehow, Farston was also there in Fortune uh, to capture Baz. So... uh, and then we switched perspective to Deliritus for several chapters, uh, and Deliritus gave his speech at the opening of the Congress, um, where he voiced some support for giving some rights to speakers, and then uh, Farston had Baz paraded out and announced Baz had broken into his study and uh, accused Deliritus of being a conspirator with the warriors. And so Deliritus has now also been thrown in prison, and you'll recall previously that Rox uh, was also arrested right when they got to Fortune. So now uh, all three of kind of our our main core of characters are are uh, have been captured by Farston and his cronies. Uh, so that's where we're picking up now um, in Chapter Forty, down in the dungeons beneath Liamina Library. Um, and keep in mind too that. As far as Deliritus can tell, Farston was with him the entire time they were traveling to Fortune. Um, so the fact that Farston is the one who captured Baz uh, is going to come as a surprise to him. So just another little tidbit there to keep in mind. So okay, without further ado, here is Chapter 40 of Declaimer's Discovery, and then we will talk for a few minutes afterward. Hope you enjoy. Part 5, Chapter 40 Baz was becoming well acquainted with his two new companions, Darkness and Pain. This was the seventh, no, eighth day since he'd been imprisoned, and before they'd paraded him out to that theater carved into the cliffs, he'd nearly forgotten what the outside world was like. The conservators in Farston's employ had very creative ways in which to get people to talk. Baz had witnessed a number of torturings, as they seemed to be one of the reader's favorite pastimes in erstwhile, but erstwhile's vicars had a thing or three to learn from fortunes. Just thinking about it sent Baz's body into nearly uncontrollable shakes. He wrapped his arms about himself, 
each finger either tingling or numb. Each one had been sliced nearly off multiple times, then healed so the process could be repeated. The conservators had varied methods, saws, knives, hammers, though all had been carried out with a methodical horror, so slow the anticipation had been nearly as bad as the mutilation itself, and healing could only do so much for such repeated maiming. Baz had no feeling at all in the tips of several fingers. Had he talked? Oh yes. If anything, Farston had given Baz far too much credit up there in the main neck, implying he'd resisted the questioning. He'd started off cursing and spitting, of course, but as soon as they'd begun sawing at his first finger, he'd begun to sing louder than a whole chorus of retirees. He'd admitted to completing the trials for Deliritus, meeting a group of cityless at Tome, agreeing to search for the Declaimer's transcendence. He'd been able to hide some things, but only because the vicars hadn't known all the right questions to ask. He'd said nothing about Undertome, the vicars seeming to assume the cityless he'd met had been one of the bands known to camp around the ruins of the once grand capital. But besides that blind spot, they'd seemed to know all about his experience at the trials already, no doubt having been briefed by Farston, though it was still a mystery to Baz how Farston had learned all the details. Far worse had been the questions they'd asked to which Baz hadn't known the answers. They'd seemed obsessed with, of all things, Duke Octavenal, They'd had laundry lists of questions. What were his negotiating habits? With whom did he trade for books? Where did he get his supplies of ink for restorations? Who were his most favored speakers? On and on. Bass had known some small pieces of such information, but they'd never believed him when he'd said he didn't know. That's when the pain had come. And his screams. They'd asked about the warriors, too, of course, though, again, they were well-informed already. The questions hadn't been, Are you involved with the warriors? Or, How many are there? But rather, When are the warriors planning their attack? Baz had nearly laughed at that one, partly because it made their plot seem so silly, like a bunch of children whispering to each other in the next room while the adults glanced at one another and smiled but also because Baz recalled how angry he'd been when Maeve had refused to reveal precisely when she intended to attack. Just about the only thing he hadn't revealed about his short time with the warriors was how he'd gotten to fortune in the first place. Baz was no tactician, but even he could see the import of keeping such a mode of transport secret. Still, it'd been mostly dumb luck. More than once, he'd blurted, Iron Dragon, as they'd been mangling one part or another of him. An Iron Dragon! It was a bloody Iron Dragon! Of course, they'd just thought him spouting random nonsense and kept sawing away at his extremities. When they'd finally brought him back into the light to confront Deliritus, he'd felt something like normalcy whispering in his ear. He'd even found a snide remark or two for the torchsire heir. But 
now, plunged back into this darkness, all the horrors had returned to Baz's thoughts. Something touched Baz's shoulder, and he jerked away so quickly his head banged into the cell wall. Still, he managed to crawl backwards on all fours, away from whatever it was that had reached for him. "'I am sorry, Bastion,' came a deep voice from the darkness. "'You were shaking. Are you all right?' "'All right!' Baz could hardly believe the voice was his own as it escaped his lips, crackling like old parchment across a floor of broken glass. Then again, maybe it wasn't his own. Maybe the voices in his head had finally overtaken him. They seemed to come and go as they pleased now, as if his mind was a parlor and they came to enjoy it at their leisure. All right, he repeated. Do I look all right to you, Rox? The big man probably deserved a bit better than that, but Baz was hardly in a charitable state of mind. When the giant had shown up in his cell the day prior, Baz had been close to a complete mental collapse. It had taken him over an hour just to reaccustom his mind to speaking in any tone other than a plea for mercy or a cry of agony, and the whole time Rox had been the picture of patience. He'd even held Baz down once while he was overtaken by a random seizure. Those seemed to happen at least once a day now. Not really surprising, given how they'd bashed his head like an inflated goat's bladder on feast day. Hmm, truth. Don't give me your enigma. Wah, huh? Oh, what? What's all this ruckus? <sighs> Wonderful. Bad enough Baz had to deal with a maternal harbor, now Deliritus had finally woken up. The Torchsire heir had collapsed after Farston announced his sentence, though Baz could hardly blame him for that. From what he'd heard, the wheel was worse even than the torture to which he'd been submitted. But Baz didn't even want to speak with rocks, and the big man spoke words like a miser spent a gilts. Deliritus could never keep the hole in his face shut. Where am I? Where? Rox? Is that you? Despite his best efforts to squeeze them away, tears leaked from both Baz's eyes at once. Stupid. What did he care? It was just... Deliritus's voice was so full of... relief, and even the barest hint of such emotion in this place was like cold water on parched lips. It also brought to mind how the Torchsire air had sounded when he'd seen Baz being dragged down the main next stairs. Baz rubbed another drop of moisture from his eye. It is me, little Dell. You are safe now, as long as I draw breath. <laughs> Deliritus's chuckle sounded more like a groan. Don't make promises you can't keep, Rox. I never do, little Dell. I suppose I ought to tell you, Deliritus said. Bastion is alive. He's responsible for getting me into this bind. You know what, Rox? I actually took some of your advice about speaking the truth. I got up in front of all those readers, some of the most influential people in all of Oration, and I spoke like a subversive little prog. I actually suggested that perhaps the Galfet speakers had possessed some legitimate grounds for what they did that it was justified. Can you believe it? 
and then they drag Bastion out into the main neck, bloodied and broken for all the city to see. And you know what Farston says? You know what he says, Rox? He says Bastion was arrested for attempting to rob Liam in a library. That little cuss! Rotten maggot! I was actually thinking of him as I spoke some of those words, actually feeling a bit sorry for him, after everything I put him through with Yeltax and ignoring him all those years, then acting as if I didn't appreciate what he did at the trials. And this is what he does? They ought to murder every speaker everywhere. Can't trust the lot of him. If I was Little Dell, Bastion is here. Duke of Torchsire Library, I... Bastion is here? Baz wiped snot from his nose with the back of his hand. At least Deliritus couldn't see him crying. Hey there, reader of mine. You little... There was a scuffling from the other side of the cell. Rocks, you let go of me, you big lout. I command you to release me. Baz closed his now burning eyes, well, the one that wasn't swollen shut anyway, and rested his head against the cold cell wall. They'd knocked one of his teeth out and not bothered to heal it, and his tongue now played across the empty socket almost out of habit. After everything he'd been through, a physical assault from Deliritus would feel like a massage. Eventually, Deliritus's struggles subsided into panting curses, and Baz cracked his good eye open. The cell was so dark that the torchsire air appeared as just a small blob next to a much larger one. What? Deliritus said through gulps of air. Did you think to find some gilts and run off, never to be seen again? Bess snorted and closed his eyes again. Give me some credit, Deliritus. If all I wanted to do was steal some gilts, I wouldn't have broken into this fortress to do it. What then? It's complete and utter stupidity, even for you. I don't disagree. Don't you take that tone with me. You will answer. What were you doing? I was looking for the Declaimer's transcendence. Bass saw no reason to keep that from Deliritus now. Farston had already known, and Baz had also admitted it to the torturers. The scuffling from the other side of the cell resumed. Let go, Rox! Can't you see? He's just mocking me! No! Rox's basso was like the crashing of a boulder into a canyon. The sound of Deliritus's renewed struggles ceased. There is truth in his words. Truth? Don't be absurd! The Declaimer's transcendence is real! Baz interrupted, and Farston possesses the only remaining copy. Deliritus stammered unintelligibly for several moments, searching for words. You're both completely mad! You and Rox both! Even if it was true, how could you possibly know that? Aramere told me. What? The dragon? Illumined ones do not lie, Rox said. Oh, stop it with the illumined ones! That thing was a vicious beast, and we're lucky it didn't kill us all. If a horse told you in the Enigma's fountain pen was buried up in the daggers, would you— Gah! Ow! Don't speak of the illumined ones in such a manner, little Dell. Don't you little Dell me! Deliritus's admonishment was more a mutter than a command, though, and he dropped the topic of Aramere. What would you even hope to gain by getting your hands on it? No speaker could ever hope to sell a book. Freedom, Baz said, 
exhaling through his nose. Scribes deliver him. Speaking to Deliritus was nearly as exhausting as being beaten by Farston's torturers. Freedom? Deliritus asked. Rox made a sound at the back of his throat that sounded surprisingly like approval. For quite a long time, Deliritus didn't speak. You joined them, didn't you? The warriors. Hmm, joined is a strong word. I'd say it was more along the lines of they recruited me. Oh, shattered inkwells, Deliritus moaned. They'll kill me for sure now. <laughs> Baz cackled, the exclamation so sudden he startled himself. But even at a time such as this, sometimes he just couldn't help himself around Deliritus. He could be apathetic to the point of lunacy. Why, Bastion? Has it really been so terrible, being my speaker? You don't want me to answer that, Deliritus, Baz said flatly. But you might want to consider submitting an application to the warriors. Neither of us have anything left in erstwhile now. Even if you live through this and Farston doesn't divulge your secret, Liana will. Liana? Deliritus's tone made evident that he'd entirely forgotten about her. She's the one who told Farston about our secret in the first place. Well, parts of the secret anyway. It would be far too exhausting to explain how Farston had known things that Liana had not. She told Master Restorer Brenneton to curry favor with the Conservatory, and then he told Farston. The only way you're getting back into that city is in chains, and I won't even have that. They're sure to kill me on sight at this point, since Liana knows I can read. Tex might as well be dead for all the chance I have to see him again. So my options were rather limited when I decided to join the Warriors. And, all things considered, it had actually been going all right until Farston caught me. Farston caught you? Come now, Bastion. He said you broke into the library a week ago. We were still on the road. Are you sure? Baz asked. A slight tremor had worked its way back into his voice. Whenever he thought of Farston for too long, his body began to physically revolt. You two were never separated after I was captured? Separated? The man was like a bloody rash. He forced me to converse with him for hours at a time as we rode, and watched me like a hound waiting for its next meal as I muddled my way through cooking in the evenings. He couldn't possibly have been the one to catch you. Well, Baz muttered, there's something wrong with him. He put a hand to the pocket of his ripped and soiled trousers, where crumpled within was the sketch he'd found in Farston's desk. We did not see him at night, Rox said. What? You mean when he went in his wagon to sleep? What do you think he had in there? Some mystical portal into Liamina Library? It is said that the scribes could transport themselves over great distances in the blink of an eye, Rox replied. Oh, so Farston is one of the scribes now? I did not say that, little Dell. Bloody burning books! Baz jerked up, away from the wall. Emma has said the very same thing when she'd explained why the scribes hadn't made building iron dragons a priority. That would explain it. Even in the darkness, Baz could tell that Deliritus was eyeing him like he might a beggar with leprosy. Well, maybe he was right to think Baz mad for implying that Farston was one of the scribes. But as crazy as it sounded, it was better than the only other explanation Baz had been able to conjure up. 
and he'd had a lot of time for thinking over the past week. The only explanation he'd developed before now was so awful that he'd accept just about any other theory, including this one. Maybe, Deliritus said, he got here the same way that you did, Bastion, unless you're going to tell me that you're also one of the scribes? No, Bass said. I value my continued breathing far too much to meddle with powers that are capable of destroying an entire city. Though, in a way, I guess you could say the scribes helped me get here so quickly. Before Deliritus could respond to that, there was a rumble from somewhere above. The cell shook and dust fell from the ceiling, right into Baz's eyes. Gah, shredded pages! He rubbed at his eyes. What is that? Dell asked. Baz cursed under his breath for several more seconds until he could see once more out of his one eye. A bunch of speakers and illits getting themselves killed, I'd imagine, Baz said. Why on earth would you imagine that? Well, because the warriors were planning an attack on the Congress. An attack on the Congress? They wouldn't. There'll be nothing but bloody pulp on the cobbles once the harbors and indomitable army have their way with them. Bass shrugged. I'm not saying I disagree, but do you have any idea how many illits and speakers there are in this city compared to readers and harbors? Dell didn't respond. That, more than anything else Baz had witnessed, actually sparked a bit of hope in him. Dell's mouth always had something to say. The fact that he couldn't come up with a good counter to the massive advantage in numbers speakers and illits had? Well, maybe, just maybe, Maeve's little rebellion stood a footnote's chance at succeeding. A clattering from outside the cell. Baz immediately propelled himself backward into the darkest part of the chamber, wrapping his arms about himself. That sound meant someone was coming, and every time for the past week, save for when they'd just brought him up to the Congress, that had meant imminent pain. But as the footsteps grew closer, there was something different this time. For one, they were talking. It was whispered and indistinct, but definite voices, at least two. The guards never talked, and they were always armored. These footsteps were not moving as if weighed down by pounds upon pounds of metal. A bang and a curse in a distinctly female tone, which then said, Oh, would you light it already? Couldn't you just kill any guards that are down here anyway? Like I said, spoken unfamiliar male voice, I am already assisting you far more than is wise. I certainly won't kill unless absolutely necessary. There was nothing particularly malicious about the man's tone, but the way he spoke of killing sent a shiver through Baz, as if it were some disfavored chore rather than a heinous act. A faint whoosh of oxygen being consumed was accompanied by orange light that blinded Baz. He threw an arm over his eyes, simultaneously attempting to shield his sight from the sudden explosion of brightness, while also trying to see who it was approaching. But between his one useless eye and the grit he'd just gotten in the other, he could make out little more than a pair of blurred shapes approaching their cell door. 
But beside Baz, Deliritus gasped. You! the torchsire heir exclaimed. What are you doing here? All right, DD crew, uh, welcome back to DD Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Uh, today is July 3rd, 2023, as I record this, which is episode number 39 of season two of the podcast, uh, and episode number 66 overall. I uh, hope you enjoyed chapter 40 there as Baz, Rocks, and Deliritus get reacquainted <laughs> with one another. One another, obviously, Deliritus is a bit uh, incensed at Baz. Remember, Deliritus kind of went out on a limb there, uh, speaking in favor of some speaker's rights, and then it turned out that Baz had been breaking into Farston's study, um, which obviously made, at least in Deliritus' mind anyway, uh, all of the good things he'd said about speakers backfire. And uh, now he's been imprisoned and sentenced to death. Uh, and blames Baz for that. And then at the un- end of the chapter, we see a uh, a, a woman and a uh, a man are approaching the cell. Uh, it's a man that apparently a woman Baz is familiar with. Probably relatively easy for you to guess who that is. Or I guess probably there's two two candidates for who that might be. Uh, and then the man uh, is someone Deliritus apparently knows, but Baz does not. Um, and we are left in suspense over who it might be. So. Uh, so put your thinking caps on and, uh, you know, see if you can figure out who these two individuals are, and we will find out next week as we read Chapter 41 of Declaimer's Discovery. <clears throat> um, as for my personal update this week, uh, I know I, I kind of uh, uh, broke a promise to all of you. I was supposed to release an episode last week, but just had way too much going on. Uh, had my 10-year wedding anniversary vacation with my wife. We were visiting some friends in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, where we used to live. <clears throat> uh, I think I think it's changing, I think, but I still think Cleveland has kind of a bad rap outside of uh, the Midwest or outside of Ohio, but I think it's a great city with uh, great restaurants and, and plenty to do, uh, a nice downtown area. So um, definitely go and, uh, and, and check Cleveland out sometime. You can go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, catch a, a baseball game or a basketball game or a football game, depending on the time of year. I think they have a minor league hockey team as well. So they got all your major sports covered anyway. <clears throat> uh, and then we also went to Michigan for a few days and uh, spent some time at a lake house that one of our friends owns. So it was a, it was a good time away. Uh, but as soon as we got back, my wife had uh, some more job interviews, and then uh, she actually got an amazing job offer, which she has accepted, which is great. Uh, she is a professor and was looking for kind of a, a longer-term role at a university, and she got one, uh, which, again, we are very excited about. But it also means that over the course of the next two months, we are going to be selling our current house, uh, and we had to find a new one, and we had to move. Uh, so uh, it's going to be some busy times here. So I will try to be as consistent as I can with releasing more episodes, but you know, I'm not going to make you any more promises because... Uh, you know, things, <laughs> things are g- going to be popping up left and right here for me unexpectedly. So, so bear with me and I'll, I'll try to at least post on uh, Facebook or in the newsletter. So you guys have some updates on what's, uh, what's going on. But I also have to remember to be, uh, kind to myself as well. You know, uh, obviously it's a, it's a great thing. My wife has this new job, but it's creating a lot of stress 
right now. So I have to, uh, you know, be forgiving of myself when I can't get everything in my, uh, my writing world done that I ordinarily would like to, you know, it's actually really, uh, it's put in perspective how, uh, blessed I've been over the last few years to kind of have relatively no interruptions in my writing, just being able to kind of churn out my books and my podcast episodes uninterrupted. Um, but life does happen. So, uh, you know, maybe if you're out there dealing with something too, uh, you know, maybe it'll be helpful for you here to hear as well. You know, give your, give yourself some grace. You can only do so much and, you know, you need some downtime too, even when you're, uh, even, even when you're busy. So keep that in mind. Um, I guess that, uh, talking about being busy, that rolls right into, I have not done a whole lot of writing, (laughs) uh, the past couple of weeks. I think my last newsletter update the beginning of June, I was at 148,000 words in, uh, my draft of book six of the spoken books uprising. Um, as of last Friday, June 30th, it was only at 156,000. So, you know, 8,000 words <laughs> in more than two weeks, probably my least productive stretch in quite a while. Um, I have written the past few days, I think it's up to around like 160,000 now, kind of barreling toward the conclusion at this point. So I would guess maybe, I don't know, between 175 and 180,000, I think is where this draft is headed. So definitely going to be the longest book in the series. Um, which of, <laughs> which of course doesn't help, uh, you know, at the, probably the busiest I've been in the past few years. I also have my longest book in, <laughs> in the series to edit, but, uh, what are you going to do? I just, uh, you know, as I tell myself, whenever I kind of get down about how long this book is going, I, all I can do is write the story I've got up in my head. It's not like I'm, uh, just inventing needless things to write. I, I know what the story is and it's just taking this long to get out. So, uh, I'm just going to keep barreling on and, uh, rest assured, I'm still working on it. And, uh, you know, we might be looking more at like a fall release time at this point instead of, I was hoping to get it out sometime this summer, but never fear. It's going to be here eventually. And I, uh, I will definitely have it done and out before November because I intend to be writing, uh, spoken books seven as my, uh, national novel writing month project this year in November. So there, uh, there's a promise that, uh, I will be holding myself to. Um, so I think that's it for the personal update for now. Uh, just another quick reminder, uh, next week, um, oh, I guess I misspoke. So next week, we are not going to be reading chapter 41. So you're going to have to wait two weeks <laughs> to uh, find out who it is who is coming to Baz and Deliritus' and Rox's cell. Because next week we'll be doing our uh, our first uh, book club discussion group. I don't even know if that's the correct term because it's really just going to be me talking into the microphone. But um, as I said, uh, the book I've selected for this first one is The Riddle Master of Head which is a uh, epic fantasy, the first book of an epic fantasy trilogy by Patricia McKillop. Um, pretty well known if you're a, kind of a hardcore fantasy reader, but I think, you know, definitely not nearly as famous as like Lord of the Rings or Wheel of Time or Name of the Wind or some of those. Um, but so we're going to be uh, discussing Riddle Master of Head, again, the first book in that trilogy on next week's episode. Um, so if you've been reading along, make sure you send me any questions or thoughts you have on the book before, uh, you know, before July 9th, I think. Yeah. So 
yeah, by July 8th, you need to send them to me because I'll be recording it on July 9th and the episode will be coming out on July 10th. Um, interested to see uh, what folks think of uh, this. Uh, if I get some interest from it, we'll pick out another book and we'll read that and then uh, I'll discuss it on the podcast again uh, in a month or two. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that next week a little, uh, something something different. You know, I'm definitely going to keep doing my narration, but I thought we'd try uh, something a little uh, different as well, occasionally. <clears throat> also, just a quick note, uh, the website Feedspot has uh, labeled uh, D.D. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club as a top 50 podcast in the uh, sci-fi and fantasy books category, so uh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Uh, not entirely clear how they figured that out. Maybe it's just downloads or, or something. But anyway, uh, you know, all publicity is good publicity, right? So uh, <laughs> uh, so that's exciting. I left a link to that list in the newsletter <clears throat> this week, or you can go over to feedspot.com to check it out. There's lots of other awesome podcasts on that list uh, as well um, that you can check out. Um, I think the Legendarium is on there. I particularly like that. That's kind of, they do kind of like what we're going to be doing next week with Brutal Master of Head. Yeah, the Legendarium is number five on that list. Basically, they read books, fantasy books, and then, uh, you know, discuss their thoughts about them. So check that out and some of the other podcasts on there as well. Um, And then that just leaves us with uh, our quote of the week for this week. Nice short one. Truth needs no apology. Uh, and that is from Riddle Master of Head. Uh, as I was, uh, you know, obviously I've been reading Riddle Master of Head because I'm preparing for the upcoming show where we're going to be discussing it. Uh, this quote kind of jumped out at me for several reasons. I think there's a lot packed into these four words. Um, and I don't know, maybe some of you, some of you won't agree with uh, my analysis of this. I would love to, to hear your thoughts about it. Uh, on the one hand, I think this is an absolute statement that, you know, uh, if you look at it from one angle, it should be indisputable. Uh, one needn't look further than free speech laws in the United States and many other countries or the lack of such laws in others to understand why. You know, if people aren't at liberty to both learn and speak their minds, it becomes much easier for those in power to abuse their positions. And I think we've probably talked about that before in this segment um, you know, when you can only say what Big Brother approves, freedom quickly becomes an illusion. Uh, and this is a theme in my own Spoken Books series, of course, where the wealthy few maintain power by withholding the ability to read from the rest of society. Uh, but while hiding the truth or twisting it to one's advantage are obvious abuses, what actually constitutes, quote, the truth is not always clear. In civil and criminal trials, a jury is tasked with determining what happened in any given case. But viewpoints of both the witnesses and the jurors uh, always differ. Uh, Memories are fickle, and humans have innate biases. Two honest people may tell entirely different versions of the same event, each of which is genuine in their own minds. This is why, for example, so many lawsuits settle before trial. The truth may be absolute, but determining it is difficult, and predicting it with a randomly selected group of people will decide nearly impossible. Uh, Or I guess I should have said, predicting what a randomly selected group of people will decide is nearly impossible. So let me leave you with this to consider. Uh, 
Should one always tell the truth? As an isolated question, I think few would disagree. Uh, But what about when the truth is hurtful or even harmful to another? Or consider a slightly different question. Should one always speak with tact? Again, I think at first a few would disagree, but one can't always speak both tactfully and truthfully. So riddle me this, DT crew. Is it true that the truth needs no apology? Um, so there you go. Again, that quote is from Riddle Master of Head. They've got, it's got a lot of gems like that uh, in there, a few of which we'll, we'll be discussing next week. So again, if you if you like this kind of thing, I don't know, the whole podcast episode next week may just turn into like one long quote of the week monologue. I don't know. I don't think it'll be quite like that. I'll go over some basic plot stuff and things I like about character development. Um, but I guess especially if you like my quote of the week corner here, uh, I would uh, suggest you you turn in, you tune in to my episode next week where we'll be discussing Riddle Master of Head by Patricia McKillop. Um, and obviously it will uh, probably be most effective if you read it before the July 10th podcast drops. So consider picking up a copy. Uh, there's a link to pick up a copy in my newsletter. Uh, of course, that's an affiliate link. Uh, buying from there uh, helps support the show, uh, so consider that if you are a newsletter subscriber. Uh, or just get it wherever. I'd rather you just read it one way or another, and then we can, you know, you can enjoy the discussion next week. Uh, so that is all for today. We'll be doing our read-along next week, continuing the narration in two weeks. Of course, my move uh, preparations permitting uh, so until either next week or the next time, uh, I get an episode out, this has been D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com podcast. DT Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for DT Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find DT Kane on Facebook at DT Kane Author or Twitter at DT Kane Author, or send DT Kane an email at DT Kane at DT Kane.com. See you next week.